Satanism. It is a subject that can produce a variety of reactions from incredulous disbelief to paralyzing fear. Yet even if one were to choose not to believe in the reality of Satanism, one would at least have to acknowledge its growing entry into mainstream society. Movies like Exorcist III and Witches fill the theaters and living rooms throughout our nation. Sadistic violence floods feature films with the bodies of the dead and maimed. Music videos have turned increasingly pornographic. More than 50 major black metal rock groups preach satanic messages and even call for the worship of the Prince of Darkness. Occult images of superheroes with magical powers of sorcery fill the hearts and the minds of children in the cartoons and video games. 75 years of films, 50 years of TV, and decades of recorded music have brought Americans to an insatiable lust for sex, violence, witchcraft, perversion, and occultic mysteries. The dawn of the 21st century has brought this nation to an unbelievable and yet undeniable obsession with the macabre. In a word, our society has marched boldly and defiantly through the doorway of Satan. This fascination with the works of darkness and the occult is seen at every level of our society. From the absolutely phenomenal success of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Anton LaVey's first Church of Satan in San Francisco, our culture is being sucked deeper and deeper into the vortex of satanic influence and domination. Today, according to our research, multiplied thousands in the free world are involved in Satanism. A recent publication from Europe reports that there are up to 100,000 black witches, Satanists and chaos magicians in Great Britain alone. In Germany, an estimated 10,000 people practice black magic. Law enforcement agencies across North America are inundated with criminal cases involving satanic activity. Everything from grave desecrations to child pornography and molestations, ritual abuse, animal mutilations, human sacrificial murder, cannibalism, rape, sodomy, and defacement of churches and synagogues. Leading experts on Satanism and crime in America speculate that there is an international network of Satanists who are responsible for child pornography. Satanism is on the rise and it's not about to go away. Teenagers across America are playing with a new and frightening game, Satanism. Their school books are marked up with satanic symbols, upside down crosses, pentagrams, the number 666. Their fashions glamorize the demonic. They are seduced by heavy metal heroes, many of whom feature satanic imagery in their songs and album covers. For some of these young people, the fixation on violence, evil and death leads them to commit abominable crimes, including suicide and human sacrifice. Joseph Beeson, 18, and Edward Bennett, 19, both raised in Mormon homes, drew blood from their own veins and mutilated animals in satanic rituals. 
but that wasn't enough, so they eventually killed 18-year-old Michelle Moore. Sean Sellers, 17, the youngest death row inmate in Oklahoma, brutally murdered his mother and stepfather because they tried to prevent his satanic rituals. Scott Waterhouse, 17, tortured and killed a 12-year-old girl in a grisly satanic slaughter. Pete Rowland, 17, formed a satanic cult with three other boys. After sacrificing a cat, they turned on Steve Newbury, the fourth member of their group, and beat him to death with baseball bats while chanting, a sacrifice for Satan. Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, was convicted of 13 murders and 30 other felonies. During the summer of 1985, he beat, strangled, raped, sodomized, shot, and slashed his victims in a rampage of sadistic, satanic slayings. In the spring of 89, the dead bodies of 13 victims, one of whom was only 16 years old, were found mutilated and buried in a common grave near the American-Mexican border in Matamoros. This satanic drug-smuggling cult believed that sacrificing humans in bizarre rituals would give them magical protection. The victims had been dealt blows with a hammer and some suffered horrible mutilations, including the removal of brains, hearts, and other organs that were then boiled in blood. For those of us who have been involved in cult and occult research over the years, these atrocious reports are unfortunately nothing new. They are only the tip of the iceberg. What used to be hidden or secret is now arrogantly brandished in public by Satanists who recruit openly and display macabre graffiti and gruesome mutilations in public places. Englishman Alistair Crowley, a leading inspiration in today's revival of Satanism, was a bisexual heroin addict and demonologist who was violently opposed to Christianity. In his book Magic, he detailed the proper procedure for performing a child sacrifice. Crowley's powerful influence is seen in such groups as the OTO, Ordo Templi Orientis, and Colonel Michael Aquino's Temple of Set, an offshoot from the Church of Satan. In 1966, Anton LaVey founded the first Church of Satan in San Francisco, which at one point claimed 10,000 members. LaVey authored the Satanic Bible and Satanic Rituals, two of Satanism's most important books. Astonishingly, when the Satanic Bible was first published, it outsold the Holy Bible two to one in many parts of America and ten to one on some college campuses. It teaches tenets that are totally opposed to goodness, purity, and selfless behavior. Shemham Barash. Shemham Barash. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. To the Satanist, good is evil and evil is good. The truth is a lie and a lie is a truth. Sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet. And everything is twisted around the other way. The Satanists have merely followed the pantheist way of thought to its logical conclusion. If there are no absolutes, if God doesn't exist, he hasn't said, uh, set absolute limits to what we can do. So therefore, anything that the self decides it wants, the self can go after. We believe in greed, we believe in selfishness, we believe in all of the lustful thoughts that motivate man because this is man's natural uh, feeling. 
And therefore, Satanists take that to its extreme and say, if I want to be violent, I can be violent. If I want to hurt others to gain my way, then I can hurt others to gain my way. Uh, there are generally four different groups of Satanists. Uh, we would like to classify them as the, the dabbler. Then you have your religious Satanist. Then you have your non-traditional Satanist. And then your generational Satanist. The dabbler we would classify as the teenager. The teenager would uh, simply learn some things from his friends at school, dabble a little bit of the Ouija board, go down the library or the local bookstore and pick up a book, and kind of do his own thing. Not real dangerous, uh, but he can be moved to, into further areas which could be criminal or dangerous in nature. The dabblers are the people who are putting the graffiti up on walls, knocking over tombstones, and making a general nuisance of themselves in the public. They are the ones also who will do the uh, animal sacrifices, and they're really novices. They're considered uh, lower-level Satanists by those who are higher up into the Satanic realm. Uh, the religious Satanists are uh, protected by law. Anton LaVey's First Church of Satan in San Francisco would be an example of that. They are religious in their approach, and they try not to violate any man-made laws because it is um, not productive for their own self-interest. Now, the non-traditional Satanist is a gentleman or lady or the group of people who would uh, take certain ideologies, develop a cult, usually polarized around some central theme, oftentimes taken from a biblical aspect, and uh, use that to uh, commit crimes, or they may not commit any crimes, but uh, for what we're talking about for these purposes, the non-traditional Satanist is oftentimes the most dangerous. Now then there are generational Satanists. These are people who would have Satanism in their family and it's passed down from generation to generation, just as the name would intimate. And these Satanists would produce all kinds of horrors uh, secretly. From infancy, they, they have uh, learned all these things. They have been molested, forced to drink blood, eat feces, uh, urinated upon, sodomized. And just from generation to generation, it continues. Their main teaching is that um, Satan had a part in creating the world with God. And he was wrongfully um, thrown out of heaven when he asked for equal power along with Jehovah God. And that one day he would regain his rightful place. So we um, have to make his army bigger so the more recruits there are in um, Satanism and um, the occult on the earth, the quicker his army would grow and then he would take over and overthrow Christ and the Christian church. Now, worshiping of Satan is not a crime in the United States of America. It's protected under the First Amendment. Therefore, if you see a group of people dancing around a fire, they're not committing any crime. There's nothing that, that the United States law enforcement can do. It's not against the law to be a, a Satanist or to be a member of, of a witchcraft group you know, or to be a doorknob worshiper. I don't really care what you form a religion is. I don't investigate the religion. It's the crime I investigate. There are no statistics to prove uh, anywhere in the United States of America or the world that this stuff is widespread. But it's my opinion that it's more widespread than you can shake a stick at. 
In Britain, we are beginning to see that Satanism is widespread. From the contacts we have through social services, voluntary agencies and the police, we are beginning to monitor the situation, therefore developing a picture which is showing that we have a very serious problem. Priests, ministers, doctors, police officers, judges, uh, businessmen, oilmen, teenagers are all linked together for one purpose, to sacrifice whatever they want to Satan. Yeah, it would be a whole lot easier if these people wore, you know, a, had horns and a pitchfork and a red suit, but they just don't. They could be your next door neighbor. Glenn Hobbs is an ex-Satanist who was originally initiated into Satanism as a child by his grandfather. I recently asked him to reflect on some of his experiences. My family was, in some senses, royalty in the occult. We had a real pure bloodline that everybody in my family had been priests or priestesses and I was to take over that position. I had been chosen to take over that position. Glenn, can you explain the different purposes of ritualistic abuse to children? This was part of the, the systematic thing that they were doing. They were trying to, 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 to make all my feelings towards blood, towards abuse, towards all these things seared so that I had no, no type of emotional response to it whatsoever. Now, when I saw the blood of the animals that were cut and and most of the time they would hold the animal over me and, and they'd slit its throat and the blood would drip down over my body and you know I was nude and then they would force me to do sexual acts and then we'd be passed around to the different uh, cult members and they would uh, have sexual relations with us. I think at the time that it was happening I was just so the thought that was going through my mind was I was just so happy that it wasn't me that had got my throat slit. As a teenager, you grew into another category of Satanism. Can you explain what happened? I began to pray to Satan, and I began to say, take over my life, you know, make me your high priest. All these things that somehow I knew that had been ingrained in me as a child were coming back to me as a teenager and I made that blood contract with Lucifer. I uh, had slipped my wrist and, made, and wrote out a, a parchment between me and Lucifer. And after that, I completely changed. I became more like a priest, more, more active in my life, very rebellious. I began to excel academically. I began to excel in every area of my life. Most of the rituals I performed as a uh, teenager were animal rituals. I didn't perform any human sacrifices because the, the spirit guides and the demons that were in my life at that time were instructing me that until I initially came into the coven and took over the position as the high priest, that that was when I would perform human sacrifice. And I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to my first human sacrifice. At the heart of Satanism is a lust for power and pleasure. Satanists endeavor to invoke spirit beings to tap into a power source beyond the physical realm. Many are convinced that it is Satan himself who appears to them while they are in a meditative state or performing a ritual. 
Others speak of the apparitions as gods, goddesses, and even demons. Channeling, seances, astral projection, mediums, and visualization are all a part of the attempt to plug into a power source that is controlled by the demonic. As far as the attraction, I mean, what, what actually would make somebody become a Satanist? Well, for some people, in my case at least, it was a gradual infiltration. It was a move from things like ESP and flying saucers, and then just a very gradual, many-year slide into finally regarding Satan as my God. I got into Satanism simply because of the promise of power and wealth and by being invited to some parties which I went to, I was told I could have those things, but it was a, a special gift that I couldn't have until I had been initiated. I think it can be put in one four-letter word, lust. And I don't just mean sexual lust. There, there is a, a lust for power that is part of our sinful nature. There is a lust, of course, for sexuality. And there is a, a kind of, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about it as a spiritual lust as the kind of, of, of spiritual itch to want to somehow reach into the unknown. We're fascinated by it. As a young boy of 13, 14, I practiced magic. When you're that age, there's no limit to your, the scope of your imagination. And so everything magical that we'd heard of, we tempted, calling forth the devil, invoking demons, we tried all these things, and with some effects. In 1981, Mark's quest to experience the more powerful side of black magic led him to start his own satanic coven, the Temple of Olympus. As far as I'm concerned, magic is about getting what you want. Magicians are people who get what they want. They want the quick, slick answers to life by calling down these forces so they will be able to manipulate uh, whatever they need. If you're not popular, you are told that certain rituals, compassion rituals, will gain you popularity or gain you prestige with the opposite sex. And this is something that is also a lure to the Satanists. It's the basic uh, elemental carnal lusts of the flesh that uh, draw them in. They taught me um how to kill someone a spell, how to kill someone a spell, how to get someone to lust for me. From my experience, a child has turned to Satanism initially because of an emotional reason. We have many more children coming from single parent families or where the, f the head of the home, the father, is not taking the fatherly role. With teenagers especially, the appeal is to rebellion. The appeal is to do whatever you can do to drive your parents crazy. They want to supernaturally get back at their parents. And we have found a lot of teenagers wanting to do it that way. The other reason, I believe, is because the church has not met the needs of these teenagers. They have not seen the supernatural power of God in the church. They've not really seen the love of Christ amongst the people. Today, Satanism can be seen to be more blatant than ever before. Satanic graffiti is no longer shocking, while recruiting, which was once hidden and obscure, is now visibly public, and sadly, youth are the chief targets. 
recruiters will go out there into various high schools and draw kids into the system because they're very street smart, some of these Satanists. And they can draw these kids into it very seductively where their parents may not even know it. I have young people calling me regularly telling me that they have been involved in some sort of animal mutilation sacrifice. And the reason why they say that they go out to these animal mutilation sacrifices is because they're provided with vodka or um, drugs, cocaine, or free sex. And so to cover up what I'd seen and what I'd been taking part in, um, I started taking drugs, which they provided. So that was another reason for staying at the coven. Uh, they were providing me heroin. The old proverb warning against wine, women and song has taken on new spiritual momentum. Sex, drugs and rock and roll is the modern cry of a rebellious youth. Satanist Alistair Crowley has indirectly influenced many leading rock groups including the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin and Ozzy Osbourne who even wrote a song about Crowley. Today's music industry commercializes satanic themes without concern for the souls they seduce. Even those bands who promote hardcore Satanism deny that they are Satanists but admit that Satanism sells and that they are simply giving their fans what they want to hear. Many bands get their ideas from horror films and videos which explicitly depict Satanic rituals, death, murder and cruel tortures. Evidence shows music laced with satanic overtones has played an important role in the lives of many of the teenagers who have been convicted of satanic killings. Night Stalker Richard Ramirez, obsessed with the music of the rock group ACDC, admitted that their lyrics influenced his mayhem killings. I see a lot of them that are getting involved in it. And it started out with the music, you know, not all rock music, mostly the things like the black metal or speed metal type things, where they have the heavy satanic type overtones to the music. Your groups such as Venom, uh, Slayer, uh, Merciful Fate, uh, these are bands that will, will blatantly teach these kids various occultic practices. One of the more popular bands playing in London is a group called The Devoted Men, led by Mark, high priest of the Temple of Olympus. Mark says he receives transmissions from demon gods and goddesses who give him the music and lyrics to perform on stage. Very frequently there's otherworldliness about the words themselves. It's almost as if we're not writing the words, but we're just, our hand is performing the action, but it's not our mind. Devoted men take the music that we write for the Temple of Olympus and perform it in London at the night spots and venues before a live young audience, basically present our message. The band's main function is to recruit new members into the outer circle of Mark's satanic cult. High Priestesses Sarah and Julianne left the cult due to the inner circle's heavy dependence on black magic and perverted sex rituals. The idea of the devoted men, which was the band that they had, was 
another way to try and get world domination. They thought that by being a successful rock band that they'd get the money to go to the States and open up an enormous complex religion over there. When you first joined the Temple of Olympus you'd attend an outer circle meeting and from going along to that you wouldn't realise what was really going on in the Temple of Olympus at all because that's only witnessed by the inner order. Um, you'd be offering flowers and wine and reading out poetry and everything would be very sweet and very lovely. In Britain we are seeing from the recruitment programmes that we are watching and from the contact magazines that we have that what is being advertised and what is actually happening in the coven are two different things. We were told to use whitewash liberally and to cover up any signs of any shades of black magic at all that were in the inner order. And there are many other orders who put on this front of being fairly innocent, but actually when the people are involved and initiated, they see that they are being trained into prostitution, in pornography, as well as into Satanism itself as a religion. Glenn, how did you get out of Satanism? I was having some trouble in an English class and they assigned a tutor to me. It was a little old Christian woman. And for the first time in my life, I was confronted with something that was bigger than me and bigger than Satan. I walked into that room and that little lady, a little old lady, was sitting there and there was this holy light that was around her. I could see it. And the demons that were in my life that always went with me, they never left me, they never, left, they never let me make a decision by myself. They instructed me in every area of my life, who were always with me 24 hours a day. The minute I walked into that room, they were gone. They left. I was left completely vulnerable to this woman. I was infuriated. I was so mad because I was threatened by a Christian and it just it just shook everything that I believed in for a moment and she began to share with me Jesus Christ in a new way that I had never learned before she told me that Jesus loved me I had no concept of love love to me was something you took it was something you used to get what you wanted she told me something that has stuck with me all my life she said Glenn Jesus became a sacrifice for you, willingly. Now as a Satanist, I knew everything about sacrifice. I knew what it was like to see people be sacrificed. And none of them were willing to do it. And I said, okay Jesus, if you're up there, and you really died for me, you sacrificed yourself for me? You know, you were stupid. You were stupid to do that. I mean, why would you do something like that? I, if, if you're God and you're so real, prove it to me. Prove it. So I clenched my fists and I closed my eyes and I stood there waiting for something to happen. I thought, you know, if he's God, he's going to move the earth or there's be a bright light or, or something, you know. But God threw me a curveball. He did something that I wouldn't have never expected. He moved past all the Satanism, 
He moved past all the hurt. He moved past all those icy walls. He reached in with his loving hand, reached around my cold heart, and poured into me a love that I had never felt since I was a little boy. I never knew what it was like to be loved. I never knew what it was like to be taken in my mother's arms or my father's arms and to say, I love you. I, I'm going to protect you. Glenn, do you think that Christians are susceptible to being drawn into the occult? I certainly do. I know of many Christian people who tamper with the occult. Many Christian people who go to fortune tellers and have their palms read. There are many Christians who read their horoscopes, many Christians who read occultic books. And the thing about it is, is many Christians think that just because they've come to Jesus Christ and He has forgiven them, that somehow that puts a magical protection around them and they can do whatever they want to do. They can tamper in the occult. But the Lord points out really clear that if you open yourself up to Satan, if you give him a foothold in your life, he will affect you. He will take that legal right and he will cause your life to be one living mess. Do you think that heavy metal music can be a tantalization into the occult? I think of one young uh, boy that his parents were Christians. Um, the boy began to listen to King Diamond. Some of these guys who are professed Satanist and have very strong satanic lyrics in their music. He began to really concentrate all of his efforts and he'd come home, he'd go in his room and he'd begin to listen to this music over and over and over and over again. That kid was, had built an altar, he was worshiping Satan, and he was doing it from the lyrics of this music. And the parents thought that by going into his room that somehow they were going into his area, you know, that they didn't have a right to do that. But if they had just taken a little effort to go in and see what was going on, they could have saved their child from killing himself, which he did. Killing himself in the name of Satan. But that was a gradual process. It wasn't something that happened overnight. I think of one young lady, uh, her name was Patty. She was the daughter of a minister, and this girl felt so alone. She felt so rejected by her church group, by her parents. She didn't feel like she fit in. She didn't feel like she belonged. Well, she had been invited to a party. Now, the people who threw this party were practicing Satanist. They saw her coming a mile off, and they said, Patty, we can see that you are a special person. Patty, we see you've got a special ability. You've got some kind of a psychic ability. You know things that other people don't know, right? And Patty would say, yes, that's right. They began to show her approval. They began to have these parties where they had seances. They had these parties where they would have drugs. Now, it escalated to the point where she was involved in a sexual orgy and they took Polaroid pictures of her. They brought the pictures to her and they said, now, we're doing this for your good, Patty. You've got to become a part of this coven. And if you don't, we're going to show your parents what you've done. Of course, what did she do? She became part of the coven. And the minute she did that, she went into rebellion. 
a spirit of rebellion fell over her. She became a high priestess of that coven and totally forsaked all of the Christian teaching in her life. And why was that? Because she didn't feel the love of Jesus Christ in her life from Christian people. In September 1990 in Washington, D.C., an international gathering of leaders of the Church of Satan from across America and Europe was held. The objectives were to plan a strategy and perform rituals designed to launch Satan's all-out assault on the true Church of Jesus Christ and to work destruction upon Christians, especially Christian leaders. It was hoped that this convention would unleash full satanic power around the earth and harvest additional souls for Satan. Drawings by children reveal how they were forced to participate in atrocious satanic rituals involving animal and human sacrifice, sometimes even compelled to eat raw meat and drink blood. Heartbreaking accounts detail how children were deliberately trapped in cages or graves for hours at a time, sometimes even with snakes, how they were defecated and urinated on, sodomized and raped by adults in satanic ceremonies. Sometimes adults would wear robes similar to Christian clergy and perform rituals in Christian churches, not only to mock God, but to terrorize the children against a belief in biblical Christianity. Is the court system able to handle this type of philosophy? Do they believe in Satanism? I mean, a lot of people just laugh at it. Satanists believe that sexual perversions combined with the spilling of innocent blood conjures up the strongest powers. Reports show animals, including dogs, cats, goats, and horses, being savagely skinned alive, having their blood drained, organs removed, or being split open and nailed to upside-down crosses. It's believed that if you just kill an animal, that's not much good you've got to kill it slowly because, or, and this would be true of a person too, of course, that the, that the screams and that the agony of the animal would contribute to the high level of power. What results we had after just the first ritual, we were moved to throw every effort into the successive workings. the response. Animal sacrifices is commonplace today and in the order that I was involved in years ago um, there was even human sacrifice. These various satanic covens that meet need to have this kind of sacrifice for their high festival days and it's sort of a, I hate to say it like this, but it's like supply and demand. The more satanic covens there are, the more children and babies and teenagers are going to be brought out and sacrificed and again it is the destruction of innocence that they seek. From one of the nicer, quieter, more beautiful parts of England, namely the county of Surrey where people would find it hard to believe that these things go on, there is a confession from a, a woman who said that her baby uh, when born was used as a human sacrifice in satanic rituals. She said it herself, she has said it in public. Uh, what, do you, what does one make of that other than a heartbreaking confession to something that's been a guilty secret for a long time? 
You did things just because they were evil, just because you knew they hurt God, not because they gave you pleasure, but because you knew that it was a sin against God. I had a 17-year-old boy call me and tell me that a year prior to his call, he was considering joining a satanic group. And he said the only thing that stopped him from joining was that he had to violate every one of the Ten Commandments. He said he was willing to do that, except they were pushing for him to kill one of his parents. And that snapped him to reality. The secularization of our society, the media, schools, churches, and government institutions, has created a vacuum whereby Satanism has been able to move in and capture the hearts and souls of a vulnerable generation. At no time in modern history has occultism in its various forms been so widely practiced as it is today. Here are some things that concerned parents can look out for. You can see warning signs sometimes in a perfectly happy, healthy child who suddenly changes so dramatically in his behavior or a child who begins to show signs or, or suspicions of drug abuse. You will see the same withdrawal symptoms as you would with drug abuse, where there is a change in personality, aggression, a rebelliousness towards uh, the parents, difficulty in sleeping, um, temper tantrums, and wanting to uh, stay in their room so that they can play with the altar or call upon the gods. Pay attention to what, you know, his notebooks, things like that. What's he really scratching or drawing on his notebooks, you know? What's he doing at home, you know? Is he withdrawn into himself? Did he, is he avoiding the rest of the family? The greatest protection a parent can do is to keep an open line of communication with the young people. Uh, that's the, 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 the central theme that comes up over and over with kids. Well, I, don't, I can't talk to my mom. I can't talk to my father. Let them know right from the start. It's, it's okay to talk to you, you know? You're not going to condone them doing things wrong, you know, but you're not going to stop loving them either. It's no good shouting and, and getting mad with the kid. It is time to um, put your family in order. If we don't handle this now properly in our church by teaching our Christian children how their, where their protection lies, where their faith is, who is Satan and where he is in position to the Christian gospel, then we are going to be rendering uh, the next generation useless in defeating this problem which is just escalating. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and these spirit forces in the high places. Paul the Apostle also tells that the world system is under the control of Satan and that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of many people so that they cannot see. If you do not yield your life to Jesus Christ and know the power of Jesus in your life, then your life will come under the influence and the control and the power of Satan. Jesus said concerning Satan that the enemy has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And yielding your life to the satanic powers will ultimately destroy you. In contrast, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. The Lord offers to you an abundant life today. Satan offers 
destruction. A man must make his choice whether he will yield to the powers of God or to the powers of darkness. When you consider the consequences, it really doesn't make a choice, but it is just plain good sense to yield yourself to God. Within all of us, there is a God-shaped vacuum. Throughout the ages, man has attempted to fill that void with the things of the world. But it is only through a relationship with our Creator that we can be truly satisfied. His Holy Scriptures reveal the way in which we can be reconciled to God, and that is through the provisions of His Son, Jesus Christ.